This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. We're in a series of heaven. There are four messages to this series, and the title of the series is The Realities of Heaven. I was just thinking today how fast time has gone by. I mean, it took months to prepare these four sermons. And now here we are on the third sermon. I, I just cannot believe that it is, it is nearly over. But time flies when you're having fun. Amen. Amen. And so this morning, I'm going to be speaking in the third message of our series, The Terror of Heaven. Perhaps this morning, I'm going to bring some biblical truths to your attention that you may not be aware of. I cannot tell you how many people shared with me last Sunday and during the week. Pastor, you have no idea what blessing I received from the message last Sunday. You shared some truths out of God's Word that I did not even know. And I read the Bible through, but I did not know they were there. I did not comprehend them. And uh, I give God the praise for that. And I believe that perhaps today might be another example of a message like that. I want you to go with me now to Revelation chapter 12. And actually this morning I'm going to begin with verse number 7. So if you have that place marked, read along with me in your Bible. And there was war. In heaven. Wow. Now those words right there are startling. We'll talk about them in just a moment. But some of you may be hearing that for the very first time. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more, any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. 
And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for time and times and a half time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse number seven perhaps is one of the most disturbing verses in all of the Bible. When we read it, we're really not prepared to digest and absorb its content. In fact, I believe when you read this passage of Scripture, it's almost impossible in our finite minds to visualize this. Because when we read in John chapter 14 that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us, we envision this to be a place far from trouble. Because Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. So as we lay a foundation for this message today, I believe this is a message that you're going to have to pay very close attention to. I have so many scriptures that I'm going to give and read for you today that I will tell you in the time that's remaining, you may not have an opportunity to get to it quite as fast. I have tried my best to list most of the scriptures that I'm going to use today in today's bulletin. And so if you have that, perhaps you can look at it and maybe turn and mark some of those scriptures quickly because of the magnitude Tasks that I have before me this morning, I do not have a whole lot of time to tarry. And so as we lay the foundation, you'll have to pay very close attention. I think when you look at verse number seven, in order to get, I believe, a firm grip on the reality of this passage of Scripture, you have to clearly understand three fundamental truths about verse number seven. It's imperative. First of all, the dragon, you might want to underline the word dragon. The word dragon means the devil. That's important. It's imperative to understand that. Now, let me say this about the devil momentarily, and I have a lot to say about him in the message today. The devil would like for you to think right now, this morning, that he is in hell. And maybe some of you here today, actually, until you got to this point of the message, that's what you believe. You believe that God is in heaven and you believe that the devil is in hell. The truth of the matter is, 
That's what the devil would like for you to think about him, that he is ruling from some kind of dark throne and that he is being praised and honored and glorified in some place of outer darkness in hell. The devil wants you to think that he is absolutely nowhere near your life, that he has his hands full stoking the flames of hell and doing the administration work in hell. But I tell you, friend, listen carefully to me this morning. That is not true at all. The devil is busy, all right, but listen carefully. He's not busy in hell. The fact of the matter is the devil is not even in hell. Now you've got to get that in your heart and your mind. The truth of the matter is the devil is very close and very real and very present in your life today and mine as well. In fact, if you can get to 1 Peter chapter 8 or chapter 5, verse number 8, I want you to look at it. And again, I have so many scriptures to read, and so we do not have time to tarry. But in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, the Bible says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, listen now, walketh about. He's not in hell. The the Bible says he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Every one of us is affected by that word seeking. As the shepherd left the ninety and nine for the one lost lamb, I will tell you this, that the devil is busy and vigilant seeking whom he may devour. Every one of us are on that seeking list. So the devil's not in hell right now. The second truth that you need to understand about verse number seven is this, but there is going to come a time when he is cast into hell. That time has not come. It's a prophetic time yet to come. And I believe the day that the old serpent, the devil is cast into hell, Every born-again believer will be able to rejoice from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, if you're wondering where that scripture is, the Bible says this in Revelation 20, 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented, look at this now, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. There's coming a day when he's not going to be walking around seeking whom he may devour. There's coming a day when he is going to be cast into hell which burneth with fire and brimstone, where he himself is going to be tormented day and night forever and ever. Thank God there is a a day of reckoning coming for Satan. Now the third truth about verse number seven, and this may blow your mind. Listen carefully. 
The devil, even at this very moment, is permitted and does have access to heaven. You say, preacher, I've never heard that. Good, I hope you leave here this morning learning something. You say, preacher, I've, I've been in church for 30 years, and are you telling me that the devil has access to heaven? Are you telling me that the devil today The one who said, I will exalt my throne above his throne. I will be like the most high. Are you saying that that same devil has access to heaven today? Oh, friend, you better believe it. In fact, I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Job real quickly. I want you to see this in Job chapter 1 and verse number 6. I just want to give you one reference. I don't have time to give you more than that. But I want you to look at this carefully in Job chapter 1, verse number 6. The Bible says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Wow. Now that's a disturbing truth. Now, Revelation chapter 12, verse number 7, also sheds light on the fact that Satan at this very moment does have limited but access to heaven. In fact, look at it again, Revelation 12, 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels. Now, we have already seen that the dragon is the devil. We want to look at another verse about that in just a moment. But a born-again believer must understand this, friend, that there is a spiritual conflict going on in this world today. And we know it. The very first sermon that I'm going to preach, the second Sunday in January when we start our Bible prophecy series, and I'll have about seven or eight Bible prophecy messages One of the first messages, in fact, the first message that I'm going to be speaking about the second Sunday in January is that there is coming, there is going to be an end time persecution against Christianity. You better believe it. Everywhere you look in this world today, you can see some type of adversity that is snowballing towards Christianity like never before. I believe even as we move closer into the Christmas season, you will begin to see the vehement hostility and aggression against the Lord, God, and and the Christmas season. But there's coming a day, friend. I want you to understand that this is going to be worse than it has ever been in our imagination. The thing that I want you to understand right now is that there is a spiritual conflict going on in the world today. We see it everywhere. We see horrible and unbelievable things that are going on in our society all over the world. But I want you to understand there are some things that we can see that is directly involved in spiritual conflict, but I want you to understand that there are things that we cannot see that is going on in this world all around us that are engaging itself in spiritual conflict as well. 
When Jesus was crucified on the cross, when he shed his blood, when he rose from the dead, without question, the Bible clearly teaches us that the devil was defeated for all eternity. But until eternity begins, he is very much a real terror on this earth and according to the word of God in heaven today. You say, preacher, I just, I've never heard that. Listen, I want you to know there's coming a day when he is going to be defeated in every place once for all, once and forever. Now, if you look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, I want you to see this again. The Bible says, and there was war in heaven. That's a terrifying thought. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels. You see that Michael and his angels are in a war with the devil and his angels. Now, who is Michael? The Bible says that Michael is the one. He's leading an army of angels in a war against the devil and his angels. Throughout the scriptures, the Bible teaches us that Michael seems to be the highest of all angels. In fact, the Bible refers to Michael as being the archangel. In fact, really, there are only two angels of prominence mentioned in the scripture, and that's the angel Michael and the angel Gabriel. The Bible does not ascribe to Gabriel the status of being an archangel. But the Bible does emphatically say, repetitiously, at least in four places, that Michael is the archangel. So it seems as though that Michael is the highest order of angels in God's creation. Now notice verse 9. The Bible uses four descriptions of the devil. In verse 9, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out in the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, I think that the Holy Spirit chose to use the word serpent to remind us that the devil has been walking on this earth ever since the Garden of Eden. Then the scriptures, look at it very carefully, call him specifically by his name, the devil. Some of you may not know what the word devil means. The word devil means slanderer or accuser. I want you to think about that. The devil stops at nothing in our day and age. The devil stops at nothing with his accusations. In the Garden of Eden, he accused God before man. And in the presence of Job, he accused man before God. That's his specialty. That's what he does. That's what he does. He accuses people. He makes accusations against. By the way, it's always a means of the devil to accuse people and to slander people. Whenever those types of behavioral patterns come up, I want you to know it is not of God. Slander and accusations are of the devil, so beware. When people accuse you or when they begin to slander you, listen, they are puppets on the devil's string. And it's clearly evident what source motivates somebody to slander and make accusations. In Revelation 12, 10, the Bible says, And I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven, 
Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser, look at that, the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. You see, the devil does have access to heaven. And today he is in that access or in that uh, permitted uh, ability to go into the presence of God. Today he is there accusing the brethren. Now, that means this, that the devil right now is at the very presence of God. I do not know how close to directly he is to the throne, but I know he is close enough to conversate with God. The Bible says that he is before the throne of God. Now listen, he is before the throne today making accusations to the Father about you and I. Here's what he's doing today. He's not in hell running around with a red suit on. He doesn't have horns. He doesn't have a pointed tail. He's not tiptoeing through the coals carrying a pitchfork. Today, right now, the Bible says that the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is walking up and down to and fro the parts of the earth seeking us and when he's not doing that he is running to the throne of God making accusations against you and I as blood-bought redeemed believers you say what are you talking about I'm telling you as born-again children of God we have to remember this that we're not perfect people for anybody to think that once you get saved that's the day you stop sinning You have been fooled and you have been lied to by the devil. There will never come a day in your earthly body, as long as it's living and breathing, where you will not sin. All of us in this human frail body, listen, we are imperfect people. In this world, listen, all we will ever be in this body of flesh on this earth prior to our glorified body, all we will ever be in this life as a born-again believer is simply a sinner saved by grace. That's all we will ever be. All of us have sinned in some way or another. And the truth of the matter, I listen. I believe that every one of us do sin in some way or another every day. I, I don't, I would, as far as myself, I don't believe I could live 10 seconds. I don't believe I could live 10 minutes, 10 hours without somehow or another, some kind of sin in my life. When Jesus saved me, he did not give me a glorified body. And I will tell you this, the only perfect person that has ever walked on this earth is Jesus Christ. None of us can live in sinless perfection. Thank God when we do sin, however, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now here's the thing. While we are in this life and we do sin, and I pray that when you do sin and the spirit of the living God convicts you of it, the first thing that you want to do is fall upon your knees and confess it to the Lord. 
I don't know any of us that would want to live a day, five minutes, five hours going through life knowing that we have disappointed him, we have sinned, we have broken a fellowship, we have, uh, we have grieved and quenched the Holy Spirit. I don't know any of us that would want to live 10 minutes like that during the course of the day. What happens is this. When the Spirit of the living God brings deep conviction to your heart, you know that you have sinned. We have a willingness to go to the Father and say, I'm sorry. Here's what happens. The devil, the accuser of our brethren, when we are quick to realize that we have sinned and broken the heart of God, and we have an immediate response to confess our sins. If we confess our sins, he is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we fall on our knees and we say, oh God, I've sinned. But the devil, what he's doing while we're confessing our sins, he's running up to the throne. And he's saying, hey God, you see what they just did? They claim to be saved. They claim to be washed by your blood. And look at them. Look at the life that they're living. And you claim that this one has been saved. Look at his life. Look at her life. And we're saying, oh, God, forgive me. And God is saying to Jesus, what's the situation? Uh, while the devil is accusing the brethren, Jesus is going back to the Father with two nail-scarred hands saying, hey, I got it covered. Woo! Hallelujah. And constantly he is coming to God the Father, bringing those accusations. Thank God we have a holy representation. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, thank God we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen. Amen. So when the devil rushes to accuse us before the throne of God, if we have confessed our sins, Jesus says, hey, yeah, they did it. But they've confessed it. They've repented of it. And those two nail-scarred hands says, Father, I got it covered. Amen. Wow, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But listen, in the scriptures of Revelation, John continues to describe him as Satan. Look at it very carefully. The word Satan means adversary. The devil is our adversary. He's our enemy. And I'm begging you today, dear friend, not to buy into this world's philosophy. Don't buy into this world or things that are of the world. The Bible says that the Bible, that the devil is the prince and the power of this world. He's the prince and the power of the air. And he's looking for every possible way that he can to get into your life and destroy it. He knows that he's on his way to hell and he is trying to take as many people with him as he possibly can. But in this day that we're reading the scripture of, the book of Revelation describes that there's coming a day when the devil is going to be forever and finally kicked out of heaven, which where he will have no more access, period, totally, forever. 
And this is one of the many reasons why I love this book so much because it tells me that one day the devil is going to get kicked out of my way. The devil is going to get kicked out of the earth. The devil is going to get kicked out of heaven. This Bible tells me that everywhere you turn, when you read the word of God, the devil is going to get kicked out of everything forever and ever. Hallelujah. Listen, the best place to start with this kicking process, kicking out process, to make sure you kick him out of your life. Somebody say, preacher, I don't know how to do that. You might say, there's nothing more I would like in all of the world than to kick the devil out of my life. I wish I knew how to do this. Well, friend, listen, the Bible tells you exactly how to do that, exactly how to do it. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, look at it. The Bible says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. The first thing as a believer is for you to understand, friend, that you have power in the blood. Amen. The blood is the absolute necessary thing to deal with the devil. I was reading the other day about a great war general. Some of you who like history. Maybe you have read about him too, the old war general, Napoleon. And at one point under his leadership, he almost had the entire world under his grasp. Yet if you know anything about Napoleon and what happened to him, you know he met his match at a place called Waterloo. I wonder how many times he said to himself, everything could have been mine. Had it not been for that one little spot called Waterloo. I wonder how many times he paced the floor and thought about that. Well, in comparison to it, without question, I'm sure the devil, while he's going to and fro in the earth, while he's going day and night before the throne of God accusing the brethren, I'm sure he steps back. Sometimes in all of that, and he paces in frustration. And he says, everything could have been mine. Everything was right at my grasp. Everything was at my fingertips if it had not been for that one little hill called Mount Calvary. Ooh, you think about it. But friend, let me tell you this, the blood of Jesus has the power to defeat the devil. It did that at the cross. The devil hates, by the way, listen, the devil hates preaching on the blood. He doesn't mind sermonettes about living right and doing good and being kind to your neighbor. But I tell you this, he despises preaching on the blood. I'm telling you today, as the songwriter was inspired, I don't care what year we live in, how modern this society gets, it will always be what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. When you think about that, you understand that these were set free by the blood of Jesus. The second thing is Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Listen, by the word of their testimony, this is talking about the word of God. The devil cannot do anything with the blood 
And he cannot do anything with the word of God. When the devil carried Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, listen, Jesus didn't summon an army. We sing that song sometime at Easter. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and send it free. He could have done that. When Judas Iscariot was leading those Roman centurions into the Garden of Gethsemane to apprehend Jesus, listen, Jesus could have called and summoned a a legion of angels to come at his beckoning call, but he didn't do that. When when the devil took Jesus into the wilderness and and began to tempt him, Jesus read back with Luke chapter 4, verse number 4, and Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I'm telling you, friend, when the temptations were ended, the Bible says this, that the devil left him for a season. The blood will never lose its power. The word of God will never lose its power. The third thing, if you look at it carefully, Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Look at it carefully. They were willing to die for the Father if need be. Right now, this very moment, heaven is being terrorized by the accusations of the devil. Now, can you picture this in your mind? The Bible says that he is making accusations before the throne of God day and night. Think about this. You think about the saints that have already gone on. Some of the great preachers and characters of the Word of God. You think about Peter, James, and John. The Bible talks about that there's a river of life. By the way, in one of my sermons on prophecy, there there are going to be animals in heaven. I don't have time to preach on that this morning. But I'll tell you this. For example, the Bible says one day the lamb is going to lay down by the lion. But the Bible says that there's a river of life. Now, I don't know if God has stocked it with a lot of fish. But I do know this, that Peter, James, and John were fishermen. Somehow, I can see this playing out in my mind. While Peter, James, and John may be, I may be at the river of life, just like they were at the Sea of Galilee, fishing. I don't know. But I can see this somewhat in my mind that you and I, as we struggle and live in this life, imperfected, sinning daily, asking the Lord Jesus to forgive us. I repent of it, Lord. I'm sorry I did that. There's nothing more that I want to do in my life than to bring honor and glory to your name. And I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus turns to the Father and says, forgive it. And then the devil, he's running back to the throne. Oh, but wait a minute. What are you talking about forgiving? Didn't you hear what he just said? Didn't you see what she just did? And Peter, James, and John over there saying, here he comes again. Said, we're getting tired of this. John the Baptist is over here. Oh, he's just basking in the sunlight of 
of the Lord. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget the day when you majestically walked down to the Jordan. You remember that, Lord? You asked me to baptize you. Oh, it was a thrill of my life to declare to the world, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And John the Baptist was over here saying, I'd wish he'd quit this. Devil running back and forth. I'm telling you, friend, the Bible says that that's what he's doing. He's running back and forth. He's terrorizing heaven. The truth of the matter is, he's terrorizing you and I in this life. He's terrorizing heaven. But friend, one of these days is going to come a terrible war. And after that terrible, terrorizing day happens, Michael and his angels fought against him. And if you study it a little carefully, I don't have time to go into the prophetic stage of it, but it's, I believe, after the third, uh, after the th first three and a half years of the uh, of the of the tribulation period, we're going into uh, the the great tribulation and so forth. I believe that's when this battle takes place. Listen, he will be defeated in that battle. There is only one position that I would want to be in, and that's on the winning side. But I will tell you this, and turn your Bibles quickly to Matthew seven. The devil is not only terrorizing heaven today by bringing accusations against me and you before a holy and righteous God. Where Jesus Christ, our mediator, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Where Jesus Christ is our mediator. He's our advocate as Satan accuses us before God. That's a bad deal for heaven today. But I'll tell you what, friend, there's going to be another act of terror in heaven. Would you for the next few moments pay very, very close attention to the scripture and very, very close attention to what I'm about to say. In Matthew chapter 7, verse number 21. Jesus said this, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord. Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Listen carefully. Jesus didn't say, I knew you one time, but you just royally messed up. I had to kick you to the curb, out of my family, out of my grace. Listen, I just couldn't tolerate it anymore. Just need to get yourself together and get it back in gear. That's not what he said. He said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. Whoa. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I'll tell you, after the millennium, the great white throne will be set up. And by the way, listen, you might have heard otherwise. You might have believed otherwise. But here's what, and we sing songs about the great white throne of God. But listen, let me, let me rest something in your mind today. There is not one of us as a born-again believer who will be at the great white throne. 
None of us. You and I as believers, we will be at the judgment seat of Christ. But if you find yourself at the great white throne, friend, let me just simply put it, you're in a heap of trouble. I would say the heat of trouble. The objective of the great white throne, listen now, is to formally pronounce eternal judgment and damnation upon the unsaved. Notice with me in chapter 20, Revelation 20, verse 11, and verse number, or or chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne Him that sat on it from, and that's a white throne now, from whose face of the earth fled, and there was no place. Look at verse 15. And there was no place found for them. Revelation 11, look at it now. Let me read it again. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it from whose face of the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And then verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Here at the great white throne, God's going to speak the words, depart from me. And this, every person that this affects, listen, will be looking through the eyes of terror. Because when God says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I'm going to tell you, there's no mistake about it. There's no, there's no second chances to make things right. There's no possibility of God changing his mind. There is absolutely no hope of being saved at the great white throne. Friend, don't let that be you. There's terror in heaven. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. I'm glad he's got it all worked out. Amen. All worked out. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.